to where we will get started this morning. 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter. And once we look at that passage, we will then make our way into 2 Kings chapter 1. It's really good seeing you all out this morning. We have a great crowd here today. We have many, many people who are visiting with us. We really, really appreciate you all coming our way. We hope when you leave here, you say that it has been good to be here. We're going to begin in 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter. Moses was transfigured with him. Malachi prophesied and spoke of one who would come in his likeness. Centuries later, John the Baptist came on the scene dressed like him. Jesus was mistaken for him. In dazzling white, Peter, James, and John saw him. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote about how fervent and heartfelt his prayers were. And in Luke chapter 9, as Jesus is being rejected in a Samaritan village, the sons of thunder begged the Lord to call fire down from heaven so that they could be just like him. Who? The man. The man who James would describe as having a nature like ours, yet he was a man who was prophesied about. He was a man who was emulated. He was a man who was transfigured. He was a man who was seen, he was heard, he was respected, appreciated, and admired by so many people. And so the question that we ask ourselves this morning is, who was this man? This is the same question that King Ahaziah asked in 2 Kings chapter 1. In 2 Kings chapter 1, we know that King Ahaziah is the king of Israel, and he is the son of his father Ahab, and he is the child of his mother Jezebel. And if you remember, his parents were very wicked, godless, awful people. And unfortunately, King Ahaziah walked in the ways of his parents. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse number 22, verse Kings chapter 22, verse 52, excuse me, that King Ahaziah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in the way of his father, and in the way of his mother, and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal, and he worshipped him, and he provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. Just as his father and just as his mother were horrible, awful, wicked, godless, idolatrous people, so too was King Ahaziah. And the text tells us in 1 Kings chapter 22 that he did things to provoke the Lord to anger in every way. We have a great example of this in 2 Kings chapter 1. In 2 Kings chapter 1, we see how the king provoked the Lord to anger in every way. He falls through the lattice of his house. He falls out of a window and he severely injures himself. And instead of seeking God for help, instead of seeking God for comfort and for support, he sought 
idols. The text tells us in 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse number 1. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. So he sent messengers telling them, Go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this sickness. Instead of praying to God, instead of inquiring of the Lord, instead of trusting in God when he was down and out, he sent messengers to Ekron to inquire the gods of Baal. And so as his messengers are headed to Ekron, they are suddenly stopped by a messenger of God. And this messenger of God says, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal, the God of Ekron? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up. You shall surely die. The king's messengers are startled by this message from the man of God. And so they hastily head back to the king and they tell him what this messenger of God has said. And the king responds in 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse number 7. What kind of man? What kind of man was he who came to you and told you these things? What kind of man is it that has insight into my life? What kind of man is it that knows where I am sending my messengers? What kind of man is it that has the gall to tell the king of Israel that he is going to die? What kind of man was he? His messengers respond to him in verse number 8. And they say, He wore a garment of hair with a leather belt around his waist. Side point. The king's messengers are describing a prophet of God. Prophets of God dressed like this. In Zechariah chapter 13, the prophet Zechariah speaks of a day when the prophets of God would be ashamed of their visions. And so in order to disguise themselves, in order to make it seem as if they are not a prophet of God, they would take off their hairy garment. And so the point is, when King Ahaziah heard this description of the messenger of God, He knew exactly that it was a man of God. His mind went straight to Elijah the Tishbite. Who was this man? It was Elijah the Tishbite, the prophet of God, the man of God who was not afraid to reveal the wrath of God. Elijah has already told the king that he is going to die. He's already told the king because of his wickedness, because of his idolatry, he would not recover. And so as the story continues, the king is afraid. He's upset. He's angry. He's perplexed. He's doing all that he can do to silence, to arrest, and to perhaps kill Elijah. And so Elijah makes his way on top of this high hill. He's looking over the city as if he is about to wait on God to pronounce judgment over the city. And the text says in 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse number 9, then the king sent to him a captain of 50 men with his 50. He went up to Elijah who was sitting on the top of a hill and said to him, O man of God, The king says, come down. 
the king's messenger was not calling him a man of God out of respect for him or for the God of Israel. That messenger was calling Elijah a man of God in order to mock him and in order to mock the God of Israel. Oh, man of God, he says. The king says, come down. Verse 10, but Elijah answered the captain of 50, if I am a man of God, if I am who you say that I am, if you're going to mock me, if you're going to mock my God, I'm going to show you what my God can do. If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And guess what happened? Fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Elijah is saying, if you're going to mock me, if you're going to mock the God of Israel, if you're going to live your life as if there is no God in Israel, let me introduce you to him. Let me introduce you to his wrath, his fury, and his power. In spite of what was going on in the land, in spite of the oppression, in spite of, of, of all of the ridicule and turmoil that God's people were experiencing, Elijah was not intimidated. He stood his ground. He did not back down. He was a man who was unafraid to reveal the wrath of God. In this moment, when, when 50 of his soldiers and one of his captains are burned up by fire, one would think, one would think King Ahaziah would say, man, I, I, I should repent. I should stop following idols. I should leave Elijah alone. I should turn to Yahweh. He's a great and powerful and awesome God. That's what one would think. But King Ahaziah was a foolish arrogant king. He sends another squad of soldiers to that hill. He sends another captain to that hill. And guess what happened? The exact same thing. 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse 11. Again, the king sent to him another captain of 50 with his 50. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, this is the king's order. Come down quickly. But Elijah answered them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. Then fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Elijah was unafraid to let the king to let the king's messengers, to let the king's soldiers, and to let the king's captain know that Yahweh is a God who should not be messed with. He is a great, he is a powerful, he is an awesome God. He is a wrathful God who punishes sin. What kind of man was he? He was a man who was unafraid to reveal the wrath of God and he was a man who was unafraid to reveal the warmth of God. Yes, yes, 102 soldiers were burned up and destroyed by fire. But we see as this story continues, King Ahaziah sends yet another squad of soldiers and another captain to that hill, but the outcome is much different because that third captain was a reasonable man. That third captain had a sense of humility. That third captain recognized that Yahweh was a God who should not be messed with. 
Ahaziah sends the third squad. The text says in verse 13, Again, the king sent the captain of a third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him. Oh, man of God. He's calling him a man of God out of respect because he has seen what the God in heaven can do. Oh, man of God, please let my life and the life of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, Fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains of 50 with their 50s. But now let my life be precious in your sight. This third captain recognized. He recognized that God was wrathful. He recognized that God was powerful. He recognized that God should not be messed with. He recognized that God punishes those who willfully live in sin. He repented of his sins. He fell down at his knees and he humbled himself before the prophet and he ultimately humbled himself before the God of all creation. And the God of all creation extended a tremendous amount of love, grace, mercy, compassion, and warmth to that third captain and his squad of soldiers through the prophet Elijah. The text says in verse 15, after this captain begs for forgiveness, then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him, do not be afraid of him. What a remarkable, what a remarkable account. In just a few moments, Elijah has declared to the nation the wrath of God and the warmth of He was a man who was unafraid to reveal the wrath of God and the warmth of God in a nation that lived as if there was no God. But not only was he unafraid to do these things. Third and finally, we see that Elijah was a man who was ultimately unafraid to preach the word of God. He was not afraid to preach God's word. After this third captain and his 50 Take Elijah to the king. The passage says in the latter half of verse number 15 that Elijah arose and went down with this captain to the king. And he said to the king, Thus says the Lord, Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baal, the god of Ekron, is it because there's no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Verse 17. So he died according, according to the word of the Lord. When everything was on the line, when he was standing face to face with his enemy, when he was standing face to face with a man who twice tried to kill him, he was standing face to face with the man who had sent 50 squads of soldiers to take away his life, Elijah could not care less about what the king tried to do. He he was not afraid. He would not back down. He would not be intimidated. He stood face to face with that king, and he boldly, he confidently, and he unequivocally preached 
the word of the Lord. He did not shy away from what he had formerly said. He did not preach some shallow, watered-down message. He didn't apologize for what he said. He told that king, you are going to die. Because of your sins, because you have sought Baal, because you have sought after idols, because you are a wicked and godless man, you are going to die according to the word of the Lord. He was not intimidated. What kind of man was he? He was a man who talked about the wrath of God. He talked about the warmth of God. And he was not afraid to preach the word of God. And as men and women, as men and women who are living in a world full of sin, as men and women who are living in a world full of people who live as if there is no God in Israel. We are living as if there is no God in the United States of America. We are living as if there is no God who rules over heaven and earth. As men and women who are living in a world such as this, we, just as Elijah was not, must not be afraid. We must not be intimidated. We must not back down. We must stand our ground. And we must be men and we must be women who are not afraid to reveal the wrath of God. Elijah sat on that mountain and he literally revealed the wrath of God to that nation. He called fire down from heaven and he consumed 102 men. We can't do that. We can't call fire down from heaven. The Lord would not have us to do that. In Luke chapter 9, as Jesus is being rejected in the city of Samaria, James and John want to call fire down from heaven and destroy everyone. And Jesus rebukes them for that. They didn't do it. We can't do it. But even though Jesus rebuked the sons of thunder for wanting to do what Elijah did, Jesus was not afraid to speak of the wrath of God. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus talks about the place where the worm never dies and the fire is not quenched. In Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 22, and in Luke chapter 13, Jesus speaks of a place of outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Our world doesn't want to hear that side of God. But Jesus talked about the wrath of God. And we as men and women who are living on this side of heaven, as men and women who are living in a world full of sin, full of people who live as if there's no God, we must not shy away from preaching and revealing the wrath of God. We must let this world know that sin has consequences. Sin is a separation from God, Isaiah chapter 59. The wages of sin is death, and the Lord's wrath, Romans chapter 1, is revealed against all manner of unrighteousness and all manner of ungodliness, and it is revealed against those who strive to suppress the truth. Isn't that exactly what happened to King Ahaziah? He strove to suppress the truth. Elijah told him, you are going to die because you are worshiping idols. King Ahaziah didn't want to hear it. He tried to silence and shut up the prophet. And because he tried to silence, shut up, and kill the prophet, the king died. He strove to suppress the truth and he lost his life. The wrath of God was revealed against him. This is the message that we must preach. We must tell this world that those who willfully live in sin will experience the terror, the fury, and the wrath of God. We serve a God who kicked his creation out of his garden. 
We serve a God who flooded the entire earth. We serve a God who cursed a man who killed his brother. We serve a God who burned up and destroyed two sexually immoral cities. We serve a God who sent foreign nations to attack, to destroy, and to captivate his own people. We serve a wrathful God. In his lamentation, the prophet Jeremiah gives us a terrifying description of the Lord. In Lamentations chapter 2 and verse number 1, the prophet says, How the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up without mercy all of the inhabitants of Jacob. In his wrath, he has broken down the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought down to the ground in dishonor the kingdom and its rulers. He has cut down in fierce anger all of the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy. He has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around. He has bent his bow like an enemy with his right hand set like a foe. And he has killed all who were delightful in in our eyes in the tent of the daughter of Zion. He has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all of its palaces. He has laid in ruins its strongholds and he has multiplied in the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentation. Lamentations chapter 2 and verse number 17. The Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. Verse 20. Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 20. Look, O Lord, and see. With whom have you dealt thus? Should women eat the fruit of their wombs, the children of their tender care? Should priests and prophets be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young women and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. You summoned as if to a festival day my terrors on every side, and on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and raised, my enemy destroyed. As hard, as controversial, as socially unacceptable as it is to say, we serve a terrifying a wrathful, and a powerful, awesome God. And if we shy away from declaring this message to the world, we are allowing a world that lives as if there is no God to be vulnerable to such a terrifying and wrathful God. As we live in this world, may we never, ever, ever, ever shy away from revealing the wrath of God. But not only that, as we live in this world, it is imperative that we tell this world about the warmth of God. 
Yes, we serve a wrathful God. Yes, we serve a God that is terrifying and frightening. That is who he is. But he is also a warm God. He is a loving God. He is a patient God. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 tells us that he is not willing. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want the, the, the godless person to perish. He doesn't want the fornicator to perish. He doesn't want the liar to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But he wants every last one of us. He wants all of his creation to come to repentance. And so, because this is his desire, a long, long time ago, he turned to his right hand. And he told his son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, that it was time. It was time to come here, to this place. It's time for you to strip yourself of your glory and clothe yourself with flesh and blood and go there, to that earth where you will be a man of sorrows, where you will be acquainted with grief, where you will have no form or comeliness that men will be attracted to you. You will be beaten so much. You will be slapped so much. You will be marred so much that people will turn and hide their faces from you. I want you to do that. I want you to suffer. I want you to die. But guess what? Guess what? You want to get up. Death won't be able to hold you back. You're going to get up with the keys of death and hell in your fingertips, giving life, hope, and redemption to all mankind. That's the type of love that God had for us. That is the warm God that we serve. This world that is living in sin, this world that lives as though, if there, as though there is no God, they may never come to know the Lord if we don't declare the love of God to them. We serve a God who loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5, in Romans chapter 5, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely will one die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God has demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I love what verse 9 says. Look at verse 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, since Christ died for us, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath, from the wrath of God. Much more shall we be saved by Him from this awful, terrifying, frightening God that we read about in Lamentations chapter 2. Because Christ died for us, we can experience the warmth of God, the love of God, the care of God. Greater love has no one than that, than a man would lay down his life for his friend. This is a wonderful message. This is a beautiful message. This is some good news. It really, really is. That's why the gospel is called the good news. I don't want to experience that God in Lamentations chapter 2. And we should love this world so much that we don't want them to experience that God either. We should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we should love our neighbors so much that we don't want him to experience this type of God. We want him to experience this God. 
And so we're going to preach the Word of God. Elijah preached the Word of God. He was unafraid to stand up to the king when everything was on the line, when his life was at stake, when the king with the snap of his fingers could have ended his life. He was unafraid to preach the Word of God, and we shouldn't be either. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, to preach the word in season and out of season. Preach the word when it is convenient and when it is not convenient. Preach the word when it is a good message and when it is a bad message. Preach the word all of the time. We're living in a world that, 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 that lives as if there is no God. We're living in a world that, that persecutes Christians in physical ways in many parts of the world, in subtle ways in this part of the world. But that should not intimidate us. That should not keep us silent. That should not keep us from declaring this good news. We want to tell everybody about this good news. Jesus told us to share this good news in Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world and tell every single person about the love that I have for you. Paul would say in Romans chapter 10, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall Spring Hill, Tennessee call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall the state of Tennessee believe in a God of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without someone preaching to them? How shall this world hear without someone preaching to them? They cannot. They will not. They will never know about this wonderful, wonderful God if we do not preach the word of God. In 2 Kings chapter 1, King Ahaziah sought Baal. The messenger of God comes to him and says, you're going to die because you sought Baal. Instead of being remorseful, instead of repenting, instead of turning to the God of all creation, the king tried to silence the Lord. He tried to fight against God. And when he tried to fight against God, he lost. He died. If you're here this morning and you have heard the word of the Lord, you've heard about the wrath of God and you've heard about the warmth of God and you haven't responded to God, you're going to ultimately lose. You're not going to win. You cannot fight against God. Obey the gospel today. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent and turn away from your sins. Confess the name of Jesus. And have your sins completely washed away in baptism, living every single day for the Lord. If you've done that before, but you've fallen away and you made mistakes, you would like to make things right, or if you have any other spiritual need that we can help you with, please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation.